Welcome to Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us and art and music movements through history. In this episode, we'll hear from Ken Zuckerman, co-founder of the Ali Akbar College in Basel, Switzerland, and Peter Lavazzoli, percussionist, vocalist, and author who explores the connection between musical and spiritual expression. In the interviews, we'll discuss Sarad Master, an Indian classical music composer, Ali Akbar Khan, his upbringing, and how his vision captured the ears of Americans in the 50s and 60s. Indian classical music played a key role in shaping modern psychedelic, ambient, and minimalist music. Join us. We're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Chris. Classical music in India showcases the drone as the tonal foundation of which the singer or soloist will build their raga, or melodic framework, for composition and improvisation. Well, the, the, the drone is, is used as a, as, a, as a tool, as a technique in Western classical music also. You, you, can, you can look to many well-known composers, Stravinsky, uh, they, they, they were familiar with this uh, uh, technique of, of, of creating this static texture on which they could build something else. Sometimes it was more a rhythmic texture, but sometimes it included uh, uh, tones that that created a tonal uh, texture also. Well, my name is Ken Zuckerman, and I've been playing uh, Western music and Indian classical music for many years. I started out in Western music playing the guitar way back when, in uh, in the 60s, playing popular music, rock and roll, Moving on to acoustic music, uh, I started composing from quite a, an early age, and then uh, went to a university where I continued um, to study composition. And then, um, and then I met up with a, a musician by the name of uh, Ustad Ali Akbar Khan. That was in about 1971. And I heard him give a performance at the college that I was attending, which was a college called uh, Grinnell, Grinnell College in Iowa. And um, he came out there and gave a performance. And I was uh, quite enthralled by what he had done. It was the first time that I really, that I heard Indian music live. And uh, there was something that touched me quite deeply. And and, uh, what I was to find out was that I was actually looking for this kind of music in my guitar uh, improvisations and compositions, but was unaware. And the thing about um, uh, Indian music is, is that that drone is, performs a basis for the music. It's always, it's always present. And so the, you know, what they call the monophonic modal music, which is played over it, it's integral to it. It's that every tone of a melody 
that is played somehow relates to this drone that's being presented. And it, what I realized at one point was that it, it's it, it's very much similar to some of the monophonic music that um, that was uh, played in, in 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 the West during the medieval period. So it was quite well known uh, at that time, and and music was. Um, for a long time in early Western music, it was also monophonic and modal, and 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 to some extent um, uh, use, using drones. So um, it's just that Western music evolved in a different way after that, in in, in terms of the development of harmony and counterpoint. So they left it as as a as a central feature, and and then it uh, it kind of got marginalized and. Composers in the in the late 19th and 20th centuries became fascinated it, with it again, and some of them were actually uh, th- th- this interest was reawakened by listening to Indian musicians, also jazz musicians. For sure, the 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 drone is one of the things that was a primary influence um, on people like Lamont Young, of course, and and also people like John Coltrane and. And George Harrison, and you know, and and the Grateful Dead, you know, and the whole idea of modal music in the 1950s and 60s, the whole concept of getting away from chord changes and just working melodically within one chord, and so um, that's something that happened then. And then when we get past that into the 1970s, then we kind of go from modal music to ambient music beginning with people like Brian Eno, uh, who also very much would, would work with drone and long tone. My name's Peter Lavazzoli. I'm a musician and a musicologist. I play drums and am a vocalist play with a lot of different people but mostly I play drums for a keyboardist named Melvin Seals who uh, had worked for many many years with Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead and we play a lot of Garcia's music and I've played with other members of the Grateful Dead including Phil Lesh and Bob Weir and and, um, Donna Jean Godshaw and things like that Uh, I've played a lot of jazz uh, over the years and done a lot of recording so that's what I do as a performer. As a musicologist, I've focused on jazz and on Indian music uh, and its influence. There are two different systems of classical music in India. From the north is the Hindustani system and the Carnatic system, mostly in the southern region. The raga created in both systems sets the mood of the piece and often reflects the time of day or season. No two performances of the same raga will be identical. Um, the instruments are different. The uh, uh, some of the uh, formal names of the ragas, the, the, the modes that they, they play, um, are different. 
sometimes you'll have a, a mode, a, a raga in the north uh, being being described, and and the, the, the same word um, is then corresponds to a raga in the south, which is different. And the other thing that people notice uh, rather quickly is that the, uh, the style of ornamentation is is rather different in the south. And so that 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 you can hear right away because they're 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 and they're using it a lot. And so uh, if you just listen to a South Indian musician singer next to a North Indian, uh, you see it right from the start that it's that is a different way of introducing uh, or vocal ornaments. The tambura, a long-necked Indian flute with metal strings, supplies the drone accompaniment of classical music of South Asia. Another prominent instrument is the sarod, a 25-string fretless instrument. Of the 25, 15 are tuned to various drones, leaving four primary playing strings. The master of the sarod in the northern Indian system of classical music is Ali Akbar Khan. He also greatly influenced musicians from modern drone and minimalist composers. Ken Zuckerman, once a student of Khan's, went on to become a Sarod virtuoso, inventor and composer, and taught at the Ali Akbar College in Basel. Yeah, well, I, I, was, um, I was going in a direction on, on the guitar, uh, improvising on, on open chords. And, and, and kind of creating a, a, a drone uh, in, in a finger style playing with the, the drone was a you know mix a mix between the tonic and the fifth setting up a, a this kind of a, um, modal drone and then improvising melodies on top of that and that's what I recognized in his playing that that through the uh, you know the accompaniment instrument that they had with them the tanpura uh, there was a drone happening there was a bass um, sound and then he was um, and he was creating these melodies on top of it and and it was very um, mesmerizing uh, calming at one point in the performance I actually fell asleep and then then I woke up then I woke up again and and he had reached a, a point of a climax and and I had never seen a human being play with such first virtuosity before so it was extremely uh, impressive and I had a feeling that that there was something very deep about this music like very deep roots and at the same time it seemed like he was doing he was improvising just totally in the moment and he was flying he, he, he didn't seem to be bound by anything Ali Akbar Khan was born in 1922 in Bangladesh. He started his musical career at the age of three. Khan founded the Ali Akbar College of Music in Calcutta, India in 1956. Uh, he was a phenomenon. You know, he, he, he um, uh, and you can't talk about him unless you talk about his father, because his father was a revolutionary figure uh, in the history of Indian instrumental music in the North. Um, and, and was responsible for training not only him, but also some of the most famous Indian musicians uh, that went on to make big careers, like Ravi Shankar, for example. Ali Akbar Khan's father uh, 
um, left home at a very early age. He ran away from home to pursue music, and he went on to study with anyone who could teach him anything. And he went from one teacher to the next. He was voracious in his, his appetite for music, and he imbibed many different styles uh, of, of classical North Indian music. And uh, and then when later on in life, when he had the son, he wanted to teach him all of these styles, and he also played many instruments. And he decided that instead of having his son play many instruments, that he, he his son would play the sarod, but he would incorporate the sounds of many of the Indian instruments onto that instrument. So, so, uh, uh, so in that way, Ali Akbar Khan began uh, learning and and uh, and he mastered a way of playing the sarod that sounded different than anyone had played on the sarod up till then. So he was it was revolutionary. And and as soon as he began performing, I think at the age of fourteen, he was a phenomena. He was a hit. It, it was like sarod was never the same again after he started playing it. And so everyone. Uh, was influenced. Every Sarod player in India was influenced by his playing. With the opening of his Ali Akbar College in San Rafael, California in 1967, he opened up an extraordinary interest from Western students and more mainstream musicians too, like George Harrison of the Beatles, Mickey Hart from the Grateful Dead, and cellist and avant-garde dance music composer Arthur Russell. Today, Khan has taught over 10,000 students. And in the beginning, Shankar Ghosh was the tabla instructor. And, you know, as it evolved, Zakir Hussain became the tabla instructor in, beginning in the early 70s after Shankar Ghosh had been there for a few years. And then uh, Zakir uh, began getting pulled away with all of his you know, vast uh, touring commitments. And so... Eventually, Swapan Chowdhury became the uh, next and final tabla instructor uh, in the late 70s until the end, and, and ongoing currently, even after Kansab has passed. Swapan Chowdhury is still the, the tabla instructor. And Zuckerman, uh, for a long time now, has been the, the administrator and the uh, instructor, the main instructor of... A, a separate branch of the Ali Akbar College that is in Switzerland, in Basel, Basel, Switzerland. And of course, Kansab would go there to teach, but for most of the year, Kansab would be in San Rafael. And so Ken Zuckerman was really the main teacher and still is. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, yeah, I, I, uh, my original intention when I started studying with him was to spend my life in California, right next to his school in California. But life had other ideas for me, and as I mentioned to you before, that I uh, became also interested in the music of the Middle Ages and Renaissance, and and that moved me over to Basel, where there was a, a very a renowned school for this, and I eventually got hired uh, to teach there, and also began teaching Indian music in Basel, and then so, and and so I, I I wasn't it was it was great, you know, but I wasn't happy to be away from Ali Akbar Khan, and so one of the ways I uh, figured out how to have more contact with him um, was to invite him to come to Switzerland and to Europe, and and. Uh, help organize his concerts um, in Europe, and so he came to Basel then every year, and and was, and and I would organize a, a seminar also, and 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 after the first few seminars, and he saw what a tremendous interest there was from European students. Uh, he said, "Look, Ken, why don't you open up a branch of the Ali Akbar College here in Basel, and I'll continue to come every year." Uh, and give a, a, a week-long seminar, and um, uh, and and then the the music will will grow even more that way. So that's uh, that's how the idea came up, and and he continued to come to Basel until 1982, uh, when he was a, um, I mean 2002, excuse me, 2002. When he was 80 years old, and then he then he wasn't able to travel so well. But um, uh, from 1985, when we started it until 2002, he was in Basel every every year. So it was it was, it was you know a, a great advantage for the students of Indian music in Europe, who did their, otherwise there wasn't really a a school like this for them to study at. I was I was very honored and and shocked when he when he. Um, when he suggested this to me, and, and and something that I think neither of us expected was that it brought us closer in many ways. And um, uh, because you know, in the end, I was with him for for 37 years, and and um, and and having the responsibility to lead his school in Switzerland, it was a big responsibility. And as soon as I had it, he his expectations of me rose considerably so if something happened that he didn't like he didn't hesitate to to really uh fire me on it and and uh, you know so there were some difficult times you know and i had to uh accept that as a uh as part of the part of the deal the, the buck stopped with me so if something didn't work right uh i would get blamed and i have to fix it and uh, but it, but it brought us um, very close together. It, he was such an example of that. You don't just struggle to get this tradition and then become a famous performer and enjoy the accolades and all of that, but you have to give it back. You have to pass it on. And he spent so much of his life passing it on uh, to his students uh, in, in America, in India, in Switzerland. And so for me, it's, it's it's just it goes without saying that um, you know everything that I got from him I have to pass it on. Yeah. 
Northern Indian classical music is passed from generation to generation by listening and imitating teachers, as well as memorizing lessons. Prior to today, there was little written notation in Indian classical music. Khan made the first Western LP recording of Indian classical music. He influenced serialist composers John Cage, Karlheinz Stockhausen, Pierre Boulez, and Milton Babbitt. Most part, when people learn that music, they learn it you know, orally and through demonstration and repetition, uh, which is the way that Ali Akbar Khan himself taught in his college. He taught by playing and demonstrating his raga. Some students in one of his classes might write it down, but, but many didn't, and he certainly never did when he was learning those ragas from his father. Well, I mean, he, he taught... Um... The, the way he learned, that is, his, fa his father would sing and play melodies, uh, some of them compositions, fixed compositions, some of them his own improvisations that he was evolving in the moment, and uh, Ali Akbar Khan had to learn them and memorize them immediately. And uh, he taught us the same way, and, um, and at the same time, one of the advanced students would be up at the blackboard writing this stuff down like a madman because it was coming fast and furious. And then the students would have access to copy the, uh, this material from the blackboard, or later on it was then Xeroxed, and you'd, you'd get a copy of the, the material after the class. But it was not meant to learn the the, the material from paper it was uh, the, the the whole idea was that you you learn it in the moment and in that way you not only learn the material but you uh you you learn how to organize the music very quickly in your mind which is what is necessary to improvise uh later on when when you're ready for it improvisation is something uh that's extremely prevalent in, in indian music but it, it's something that comes at a later stage when you've internalized enough uh, formal material from your teacher that you can then um, make your own uh, interpretation of it and not, and not ruin the particular mode or raga uh, that you're playing. So um, he, was very, he was very strict about that, and, and the class times, that the, the classes were uh, with many students at once so that he could get this material out to a large number of people. And, and the few that could really absorb it, then he would invite to for private sittings. And then in the private sittings, he would demand us, okay, now you make your version. You know, and then, and then immediately, as soon as you made a slight mistake, he would say, no, you can't do that. You know, it has to go this way, uh, and and so it was it was a very rigorous uh, but inspiring training. It created an atmosphere and an environment where musicians in the United States who were interested in not only Indian music, but in Indian spirituality. The continued existence of the Ali Akbar College after the 60s and going into the 70s and 80s and 90s, and, you know, up until now, it, it gave uh, 
it gave these people a home to uh, a home base to always come back and learn the music itself from one of its greatest masters and so in that respect uh it 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 really helped solidify uh, the existence of indian music in the united states um not i wouldn't say on a mainstream level because you know the ali akbar college is very small and it, it does not have a very large capacity although they've expanded that now with with the advent of of online courses and so most of their students now study online through a live you know online feed and so um anybody in the world can now take courses at the LAR college through the online service which is fantastic and it's really unfortunate that that technology didn't quite exist um at this level when Kansav was still alive and teaching because for all of the years that he was there you really had to just go there so it didn't it, so it's not like the Aliakbar college was able to have a a very large footprint in that way because you had to be in the bay area you had to go to the classes and you had to you know do the work but having said that um many of those musicians who did that then went on to do their own work which you know changed the landscape of music in some ways um you know depending on how far in their own careers each of these musicians would go but um just to take mickey hart as one example uh, as i said he was one of the early you know students and friends of the ali akbar college and he took courses with shankar ghosh and he and and then when zakir came to the ali akbar college mickey developed a relationship with zakir hussein uh and they began working together in the diga rhythm band in the mid 1970s and then from there in the late 1980s and early 1990s they worked on planet drum which became a grammy winning project and as a matter of fact it became the planet drum it was the first album to win a grammy for the category of world music which was a brand new category the year that planet drum was released so uh with mickey being one example for his own solo career and then also for what he did in the grateful dead um that's one example where uh that music made its way into the mainstream by virtue of of you know the improvisational element I would say that um different aspects of it appealed to different musicians for different reasons. Some of them were attracted to that very meditative um 
almost am, you know what you might call ambient type of you know music in the early sections of Araga in the, in the Alap, for example, where long tones are held and suspended and, and without rhythm. And um, but then there are other musicians who are more attracted to the very uh, high intensity uh, intricacies of the playing, you know, um, because of the range of what North Indian music could provide from the meditative beginnings to the very, you know, high intensity climactic endings and because it's very improvisational and because also there is a there is a devotional aspect to it even though it doesn't have to be specifically Hindu or Muslim or any other religion but it just seems to have a spiritually you know a devotional quality to it you could use it to accompany prayer those things appealed to jazz musicians you know, uh, especially John Coltrane, but a whole score of others. It appealed to rock musicians. Uh, of course, we know it appealed to composers in the 20th century and people who uh, invented the electronic style of 20th century music, which does include a lot of extended length pieces with repetition of cycles and, and gradual developments of things. And so there were a lot of different ways that Indian music would influence people for different reasons. Indian music, North Indian music especially, really did have a profound impact on modern West, on 20th century music in the West in many different forms, jazz, rock, electronic music, 20th century, you know. Uh, so um, in that respect, really comes back to Ravi Shankar and Ali Akbar Khan. You know, those were the two people um, who first, you know, really had an impact here. This has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams. Special thanks to Ken Zuckerman and Peter Lavazzoli. Check us out at sonospherepodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.